Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 3rd of February 2013, entitled The Seven Proofs of Discipleship, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, I invite you to stand with us if you'd like to honor the reading of God's holy word. As we read from Luke chapter 14, uh, we'll begin in verse 25 and read down through verse 33. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, Lord Jesus Christ speaking, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. For what king goeth to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Father, we thank you again this evening for your word, for the privilege that we have of reading it again this evening. Father, we thank you for the time that we can be together. Now, Lord, we come dependent totally upon you, upon your spirit, Lord, to take and from your word to speak to our hearts this evening, to meet the need of each one here, to give each one that which, Lord, that would make a difference in their life, and we give you the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you were here last Sunday evening, we looked from Matthew chapter 16 on the thought of being a true disciple. We talked about the fact, if you recall, that there's a difference in just being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is important, and that's where we must begin. You know, we have to be willing to, to follow after him, but as we follow him, to be his disciple is to be his student, to be a learner. And there are things that are required in order for us to be able to do that. And, of course, we saw last week that to be a true disciple meant self-denial, putting self out of the way of bearing our cross and following the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus is speaking of that same subject of discipleship here, and again, the testing of discipleship uh, in our passage here in the Gospel of Luke. And of course, that is something that is vitally important because, you know, in part of the, uh, the Great Commission, which we have been looking at some in our morning services concerning the church recently, uh, when he said, Go therefore, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Of course, then he goes on to speak of teaching them. He speaks of making disciples of all nations. And of course, that involves, first of all and foremost, winning people to Christ. But, of course, it takes much more than that after that one begins to follow Christ. And so just a few things, I think it's seven that uh, I've listed out from, uh, from our passage before us here this evening. If you want proofs of discipleship, uh, do we want to be more than just followers but true learners, true students of the Lord Jesus Christ that, you know, we learn from all kinds of sources and all kinds of things and all kinds of experiences in life but the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to learn of him. The first one is kind of a tough one, and we look at it, and of course he gives us this thought here 
if any man come to me and we might be surprised at that next word in scriptures there, hate. Hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. You see, the first real test of discipleship, if you would, is the being willing to put all others aside, those that are the dearest to us for the Lord, <coughs> for the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that we know that if we study the Scriptures that surely the Lord doesn't teach us to hate anyone. And yet this is Jesus talking here when he says that we've got to hate. And, and look at the list, father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and ourselves. If we look at that list, we would think that, well, this is really the people that we would love the most in this life. This is the people that we would have the greatest affection for out of all living human beings. And yet he says to us here that we must hate them if we are going to be his disciple. Of course, the simple truth is, is the word that's translated hate here, hate and love are comparative emotions. We know from everything from Scripture how he teaches. As a matter of fact, when he tells us that, you know, what, what are the great commandments of the New Testament? And of course, the first is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our, our very being, and then to love your neighbor as yourself the same way. And he says that all of God's other commandments hinge upon these commandments to love. Well, why would Jesus say then if we're going to be his disciple, more than just a follower, but his, his disciple as we follow after him, that we would have to hate these? And I believe that he is using here those that we genuinely, truly would love in this world more than any others. And yet that our love for the Lord Jesus Christ would be of such a standard that even our greatest love in this world would be as hate in comparison. It's not because that we love these others less. It's because that we love him so much more that in the end we would be willing to forsake all others for him. We know that he uses that same terminology when he speaks of a, a husband and a wife coming together, forsaking all others to cleave one to the other. Well, here we find that in this relationship, to be a follower of Christ, what he's really saying to us is that our relationship with him has got to be supreme. You know, so many times, so many times in this life, I've seen people that have been drawn away from the Lord, that have been made ineffective of the Lord because of human relationships. I shared with you some time ago about a dear, dear, dear friend of mine that I worked with for uh, some years that uh, uh, was a great brother in the Lord, but his wife came down with cancer, and after fighting the battle of cancer, she left this world. And that Jerry, after going through tremendous, tremendous turmoil with himself, ended up about a year later taking his own life because he blamed himself, because he had been taught that it was his lack of faith that had caused his wife to leave this world. But I remember many conversations that we had with Jerry, and I guess the thing was, was that he had such a phenomenal love for his wife. He loved the Lord, but even himself, he admitted after his wife left this world, that if he had one weakness, maybe he loved her too much. And then I said, well, I don't think that you love Doris too much, but maybe you just needed to love the Lord more. You see, I don't think God wants us to love anybody less, but he wants us to love him more. If there is anyone in this life that would come between our love and our relationship with him, we can't really be a learner, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we find that uh, he makes this right here uh, an absolute necessity, a proof of discipleship. If we are a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, then he has got to have our supreme love above all others in this world. 
And of course, not just others, but notice he ended that verse that his own self also. And that really ties back in with what we looked at last week, that to be a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ takes complete self-denial, not loving ourselves and our wants and our desires and our things more than he is. And that's a tough one for all of us. That's a tough one for us to overcome in the flesh. We It's very easy to say that we love the Lord with all of our heart more than anything in all the world. And yet so many times, both those that are dear around us and our own selves sometimes can work in that can can truly show us that Christ doesn't really have the place in our lives that he ought to have. You see, our lives have got to be Christ-centered in everything. Um, I guess that uh, sometimes we would use the word for someone to be egocentric. Uh, When they have a big ego, they think a lot of themselves. Um, The word egocentric is actually defined as having little or no regard for interests, beliefs, or attitudes other than one's own. Uh, To get focused in on self, that self is the most important thing. And, of course, we're taught that very much, you know, to look out for number one, or to look out for self because nobody else is going to. But when one truly wants to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to learn that it's not really me that has the greatest love for myself nor for those around me, but for the Lord Jesus Christ. My love for him should be so supreme the strongest, greatest emotions that I have in this world would seem as the opposite in comparison because our love for him is so supreme. He goes on in verse 27 and he says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We talked about bearing the cross and people have different crosses to, to bear. We find that in Chapter 9, verse 23 of the Gospel of Luke, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus was the greatest example of all of cross-bearing. Of course, a cross can be many things when we think of it as a burden, but in its purest sense, it is an instrument of death. Uh, That's the instrument that was used to take the life of our Lord Jesus Christ when he hung upon the cross. Of course, I believe that's part of what he's pointing to here in taking up our cross, in bearing that cross, and taking up that cross daily, that it's a daily process of being able to to die to self, uh, to be set free uh, from self, Uh, so that no matter what the cost, that uh, we're going to do what the Lord wants us to do. We're going to to follow Him. So if we want to be a true learner of the Lord, we've got to get self out of the way. We've got to love Him so supreme that there's not a love in the world that compares to that love. And we've got to be willing daily, daily, to take up our cross, to die to self, to be able to to die to this world and to live for him and for him alone. And, of course, he gives us a couple of illustrations here when he talks and he asks us a very simple question. Well, just think in a natural sense. Which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he has sufficient to finish it? In other words, if you're going to go out and you're going to build yourself a house, well, you don't just decide to do that and go out and start building without, without planning, without sitting down first to say, well, what is this going to cost me? Because he says, if you don't sit down and count the cost and make sure that you've got sufficient to finish it, after you've laid the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everybody that looks on it are just going to mock at you and laugh at you. What, what kind of fool is that? Why did he start building that house and he got the foundation and maybe he he got some of the external walls up and then suddenly he had nothing left to finish it with and it's just a useless structure that is sitting there. 
we find that he says, this man began to build, was not able to finish. You see, sometimes we can have good intentions. We can have maybe in our, in our minds and our plans the things that are going to be. But the Lord's warning us here that we need to, we need to count the cost. We need to count the cost of what it really means to follow Christ with all of our heart, what it really means to love him, the very center of our being. What is it going to cost us if we are going to be a Christian and we're going to be a learner of Christ and if we're going to learn from him and therefore apply this learning because we saw this morning, we saw the difference in the two, that one that built upon the solid foundation, the rock, and the other one that built upon the sinking sand, that they both heard the same things. They both heard the same message. They both knew the same things. But one was not just a hearer, he was a doer. One took that and applied that message and, and allowed it to work in his life, while the other heard it and knew it, but didn't do anything about it. We find that if we're truly going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to count the cost. We can't go at this half-heartedly. We can't just, on the one hand, put everything in this world and everybody in this world before him and then turn around and hope to genuinely, truly learn from him and follow him. And he gives us a similar illustration to follow. What, what king going to make war against another sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. You know, if he's going out to fight a battle, and we're told many places spiritually that we as Christians are fighting a battle every day of our life, but we don't fight against just flesh and blood. We fight against principalities, against the powers of darkness in high places. He's saying here, well, any king that goes out to fight a battle, he's going to look first at what the enemy's got and what he's got, and he's going to say, have I got sufficient to do this? Or he may come to realize that while that enemy's still a long ways off, he's got to surrender. He's got to send an ambassador out to make the peace because he doesn't have sufficient to win the battle. And, of course, after giving us these illustrations... He tells us here in verse 33, he says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now, folks, some things, some things are not easy. When you stop and think, I mean, he's given us these things that, first of all, your love for those that mean the most to you in this life, your love for them in comparison to your love for the Lord would be like love and hate because that love for him is so supreme. That love for him above you and your own comforts and what you want, your desire for his will is so far above that. He says that you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing. It's not easy. You've got to be willing to bear your cross daily. He says, you need to count the cost. He says, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. I mean, this is talking about family, friends, possessions, everything that we hold. There is nothing that we can put between ourselves and the Lord. What about the stories that he gave us? We find again and again that the Bible teaches us that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, speaking of that gate there at Jerusalem, then for a rich man to enter into heaven. Remember when that Jesus spoke with the rich man, and I mean, he was, he was happy to do all these things, and he was happy to live a good life and to follow God's law and all these things, but when it came down to his possessions of letting go of those worldly things that he had, the cost was too much. You see, the Lord's telling us here, even in this life, if you really want to do something, if you want to build that house, if you want to fight that battle, you're going to count the cost beforehand. 
if you want to truly be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you better count the cost because in the end, you've got to be willing to forsake everything. Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You see, it's not that it's wrong to have those possessions. It's not that it's wrong to love people with such a passion that maybe you can't even put it into words. The wrong comes in when it's any of those things, whether it's our feelings, our emotions, the things that we have, the things that we own, or even our own selves. When anything comes between us and the Lord, when anything that we're not willing to sacrifice, if there's anything in our lives that we're not willing to give up, then we're not a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the proof of real discipleship is forsaking all for him. Forsaking all, being willing to say that nothing, nothing means so much to me that it's going to cost me my life with him, my life for him, him doing with my life what he wants. Those are easy words, but that's a tough application. You see, today the Lord needs followers. We said this morning and last week as we've talked about the fact that we cannot, it's impossible to overemphasize the importance of winning the lost to Christ. That's where it all begins. They've got to come to Christ. But the problem is today is the world is full of too many worldly Christians, weak Christians, people that are really saved and on their way to heaven, but they're not true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not real learners of Him. We're not learning from Him and, and patterning our life after Him. He says, if you really, really want to learn of me, if you really want to be like Him, then it's going to cost. And you need to count those costs. The simple fact is, if you can think of anything, of anything that's more important than that, then you're not truly going to be able to be his disciple. Jesus said that. That's not something that I'm taking. As a matter of fact, I guess that the hardest thing we have is not understanding what he's saying here, but trying to grasp it and apply it. It's very clear. It's so clear. We could read these verses to a child, and a child can understand, wow, that's hard. So many times we want Jesus to be an add-on to our life. We really do want to be a Christian, but we don't want to be willing to forsake everything to be his disciple. He tells us something else in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, in verse 31. Jesus said, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, he said, If ye Continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Again, a hard distinction for us to make because we have these books that we call Bibles. And they come in all shapes and sizes. Some are nice leather-bound ones like this one that I have that my pastor gave to me as a gift. Many of you have big ones with all kinds of study aids and small ones that we can carry in our handbags and our pockets to carry around with us. We have them many times laying on our shelves and laying on our nightstands. But the problem is, is that sometimes we know it's an important book, but we still see it as just a book, a book about God a very important book, a book even that tells us how that we can be saved, a book that will help us to know about God and to know about ourselves. But Jesus says, if ye continue in my word. We see this emphasis time and time again, as we saw the morning, this morning, as we've already mentioned. You see, Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, then 
You're going to have to continue in my word. Now, the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. We find that for us to make a distinction, you see, sometimes it's unfortunate that in our printing presses that the word of God to many in the world can look like just another book. But there's nothing ever been printed. There's nothing that we hold in this world that can teach us more. There's nothing that holds more that can change a life like this book can. Yes, to bring salvation to that soul, for faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But also for us as Christians, you see, if we are going to be a learner of Jesus, this is where we're going to get it from. Not from the world. Not from the greatest universities in this world. But from God himself through the word that he's preserved for us. Jesus said, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. So many decisions, even decisions for Christ, so many of them are, are made based upon an emotional moment. Because we really do feel, and, and, and you know, this is the thing that so many times you can't deny feelings that we have. But the simple truth is, is that too many times it's based upon emotions without counting the cost that he's showing us here. You see, the Bible, once we become a child, it takes us to salvation, but then it becomes our map, our guide, our instructions, our instructor. It becomes that which will literally change our lives inside and out. If we're going to be a learner of Jesus Christ, this is his word. It's inseparable from him. And of course, we find that when we look at that great passage, which our conference is focused around here in just a couple of weeks' time, in Ephesians chapter 6, he tells us so very clearly, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Folks, do we realize the forces that are out there every day of our life that are bent and determined to bring us down, to discourage you, to take away your joy, to make you ineffective, to get the best of you. And it's not just flesh and blood. We often fear the flesh and blood. We fear what somebody is going to think or what somebody is going to say. But the battles that we fight, they're far, far above what any flesh and blood can do to us. For that reason, he says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Folks, this is our weapon. Do we realize that we have no other weapon against the powers of darkness that are out to destroy us, that we're fighting against every day of our lives. And I said this morning, no. If you are a child of God, 
If you've been bought and paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith and trust in him, thank God we can have confidence to know that there is absolutely nothing in the world that can separate us from the love of Christ. But we have an enemy. And boy, he wants to make you as ineffective as he possibly can. He wants to make you as miserable as he possibly can. He wants to take away your joy and your peace. Listen to me this evening. I don't care what struggles that you have. I don't care what battles that you're facing in this life. I don't care whether they're physical or whether they're emotional or whether they're spiritual. The simple truth is you have every, every reason in the world to have an inner joy and inner peace. Don't let the enemy take that from you. He's the one that wants to make you miserable. I'm saying that we've got all that we need to be able to have a peace that passes all understanding, that doesn't make sense to anybody. You've got that right. And if you don't know that peace, and if you don't know that joy, quit letting the enemy defeat you. Maybe you are a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you love him. But the simple truth is, do you love him enough? Rather than just being a follower, do you want to be his disciple? Do you love him that supreme above anything else, above anyone else? There is nothing to compare to your love for him. It costs. You've got to be willing to forsake everything in this life, everything in this world, if it came down to it, to be with him. Oh, now listen. <laughs> this world doesn't have, if you forsook everything that you had, if it cost you every possession that you've got, if it took everything that you'll ever have, it'll still not even begin to compare to what you have in him. You see, to us, it seems like forsaking. Have you ever had people, maybe, maybe, maybe there was something that you've done for somebody that somehow was something that you were really doing for the Lord? I hesitate to use personal illustration, but in a general sense. Have you ever had somebody maybe say to you, I know what that cost you. I know what you gave up. Maybe, maybe it was to repair a relationship. Maybe, maybe it was something that you did that you really saw the need in someone else and you cared, but others look and they think, oh, you gave up so much for that person or for this situation. And yet in your heart, you think, huh, I didn't give anything up because what the Lord did for me was far, far, far more than anything this world could have ever given me. See, this is the test of discipleship. This is the proof of discipleship that he's giving to us here. Are we truly a disciple of Christ as we talked about last week? If we are, and if we truly want to be, that we've got to be willing to leave everyone else and to leave all else behind if necessary for him. Nothing, nobody, nothing in this world to forsake all. That's what Jesus said. If there's one thing in your life that's more important to you than your life for him, and you can't truly be his disciple, he says. We find that he says that if we're going to be his disciple, we've got to continue in his word. You see, whew, some things are hard, aren't they? Some things don't feel good. And some things, you know, we say, but that's not really important because I know that I'm saved and I know that I'm a Christian and, and that doesn't really matter. You see, those things will not keep you from being a Christian, maybe. You belong to him. But they'll keep you from being his disciple, from learning of him. He has so much for you. He wants to teach you 
how to overcome all of those obstacles. He wants to be there with you to fight all of those battles. You can't fight the battles that we have to fight within yourself, within your strength, no matter what you do. But you need the whole armor. And if you've got the armor, and if you take the weapon that we've got, you need not fear any enemy. There's no one nor anything that's strong enough. I want to give you just one other thought, really. And it's taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and verse 35. I lie. I want to give you two things here. They come close together in Scripture. In John chapter 13, verse 35, he says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now, I put that at this end on purpose because we started with him saying that we had to hate all these people that we love the most. To assure you. You see, if we don't love one another, then there is something missing in our salvation. Because his love, one of the things as we become a true disciple of him, loving one another is one of the very basics of the Christian faith. One of the first verses that we love in the, in the Scripture and memorize most of the time is, is that simple verse in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That's why he gave Jesus. We find that, yes, our love for him. But you know, the simple truth is this. As long as we are putting our feelings one for another, our love one for another, and even right down to the, those most intimate relationships between parents and children and husbands and wives, as long as we are putting those relationships before the Lord, yes, we can love, but we can only love as far as the flesh allows us. But when He is supreme, you see, then we can love one another to a degree that is impossible to. Because when we truly become a disciple, a learner of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we learn how to love like He loves, with a pure love, a love that truly is. With everything that we could possibly put into the mix, a love that has no restrictions, a love that, you know, I said, I guess one time that, you know, it's impossible for you to do anything to make God love you more, and it's impossible for you to do anything to make God love you less. He loves with a perfect love. And you see, he said that all men will know that we're his disciples if we have love one to another. When we have put our love for him supreme, then we can love that husband, that wife, that child, that parent. Matter of fact, you can go right to the opposite extreme. We can even learn to love our enemies. Not in the flesh, but that's part of the proof. And of course, when he's speaking of here, he's speaking to Christians, you know, to love one another. So many times, even amongst Christians, little things. And I'll tell you something. I don't care how big they seem at the time. In the scope of everything, in the scope of God's love, they are minute things that will divide and separate that will cause that love for us because, you see, only when we love the way that Christ loved can we love somebody no matter what they do, 
no matter what they say, no matter what they may have done against us, we can love them totally, completely. In our flesh, we want to say, I love you, but act otherwise. Jesus said, I didn't say that. By this, all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Folks, love is more than just talking. And it's more than a word. And you know what? It's far more than even just a passing emotion. It's an action. God loved and gave his son. We can talk about loving all we want, but when we're not willing to love as he loved, and we haven't gotten to that point yet, when we are truly his disciple, he said, by this all men shall know that you're my disciple. One of the greatest proofs of being a true disciple of Christ is being able to love truly, totally, completely, unconditionally, unconditionally. We find that there's one other proof of discipleship that he gives us in John chapter 15. Beginning at verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, they are burned. You see, you can tell a tree by its fruit. Now Jesus says, if we are abiding in him and he in us, what did he say? He said that it's going to bring forth much fruit. The fruit's going to be there. We can look at all kinds of fruits, the fruits of the Spirit. The simple truth is, is that we're going to be able to see Christ if we are abiding in Him and Him in us. Not ourselves, not our flesh, but as we learn of Him, as we're His true disciple, as we abide in Him and Him in us, the fruit is going to be there. And of course, that greatest fruit of all. It is all of these other fruits, the fruit of the Spirit coming through in our lives, Christ being seen in us, that others will come to know Christ through our lives. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 25 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You see, the most important thing in all the world, bar none, is to become a Christian, to be born again to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God, even in, in speaking to us through his word, Jesus himself in his ministry here upon this earth, he shows us that there's a difference in just being a follower and being a disciple, being a learner. If we're going to truly be a learner of him and thus 
our lives be lived as his, then the truth is it will cost us something. It may, on the outset, as we look at it, we have to decide how much we love him versus how much we love these other things. But if we're willing in the end to say, I love him so much, but beyond just those words, to mean it to the point that, hey, whatever it costs, whatever it costs, you see, I'm going to count the cost. And really what it's going to cost me to be a disciple of Jesus, Brother Steve, is everything I've got and everything I am. I've got to give up on me. I've got to get upon all my stuff and my strengths and my powers, and it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. But, folks, that's where he wants you to be. He wants you to be his disciple. He wants you to learn from him and to continue in his word. He wants you to put on that armor so that when the, when the enemy comes against you, that you'll be able to stand against him. He wants you to take up the sword of the Spirit and to be able to fight that enemy with everything that you need and it's not easy. And life's battles are real. And the enemy is good at what he does. And he's going to keep attacking. And he's going to keep attacking. And he's going to continue to try to take away your joy and your peace and your effectiveness and anything else that he can. But the truth is, if you'll just be willing to give up everything for Christ, the enemy won't be able to get an upper hand on you. He won't be able. You see, you're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose your peace. You're going to lose your effectiveness and all those things when you're focusing upon self and your situation and your condition, what you have and what you don't have, where you're going and where you're not going and all those things rather than Jesus. What's the most important thing in the world to you? If we're going to be his disciple, we've got to be willing to sacrifice all the very dearest things to follow after him. But huh, you see, it's funny because when we sacrifice everything, he gives us more than we ever had. He gives us a strength that is beyond our own. He's the one that gives us that peace and that joy that makes no sense. It won't make any sense to you in the flesh, and it certainly won't make any sense to anybody else around you. He'll give you the strength to be able to stand when the enemy comes at you with all of his forces, with everything that he's got, and yet you can still stand and you can take up the sword of the Spirit and you can fight that enemy. Many Christians are living defeated lives unhappy lives. Oh, my encouragement to you this evening, folks, I love you, but the Lord loves you so much. He gives us the basic instructions, but it doesn't do any good to know them if we're not continuing in it, if we're not living it, if we're not applying it. And nobody in their right mind would tell you that that's easy. But in Christ is possible. And in Christ, he is everything that you need. He is the one that will be with you in the toughest storm of your life. He is the one that can lift you up. And when you feel that there's nobody else, that nobody else cares, there's nobody else around, he's right there with you. And because he's the one that means more to you than anything in the world, you're never alone. Jesus wants disciples. Well, he wants you to be saved. He wants you to spend eternity with him. And you know, being a disciple, once you become a Christian, being a disciple makes all the difference in the world and how you get through this life. Maybe not where you're going in eternity, but the blood of Christ has assured that if it's been applied. But it'll sure make a difference in how you get through tomorrow and next week, and next month, to the end of the way. Abide in Him. 
let him abide in you. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, we know these are such simple truths that they're not hard to understand. They they take us back because, Lord, in our in our rationale, they go against everything in the flesh. And Lord, it's totally contradiction to, to everything that we are in our sinful fleshes. But it's there and it's there for us and it's, and it's what you want for us. Help us, Lord. Not just to be Christians that are surviving and getting on for that day when you come back for us, but help us as you promise us there in Romans chapter 10 to be more than conquerors. Help us, Lord. Help us to be your disciples, to learn of you, to live life as only you can, to handle the situations as only you can, to think and have the mind of Christ in the way that you would think about it, Lord. Lord, we know we've got to be willing to take up our cross daily. We've got to be willing, Lord, to die to this self, to this flesh, to all these things because it keeps rearing its head Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be victorious Christians. Help us to be true disciples of yours. Lord, I pray that you would help us, that all men would know that we are your disciples because of our love one for another. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.